Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, dress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. I feel like for a lot of people, it ends up being too much information and And then it gets into this like really obsessive thing where people are getting like disconnected from their intuition and they're not listening to their own body. And they're thinking like, oh, this is the one way to eat. This is the one way to exercise. This is, you know, and they're, and they're still like ignoring the feedback from their own body and relying on like trackers or testing or things like that. And I feel like there's probably just like more of a place in between. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Dr. Ashley Gish. She's a holistic health and nutrition coach, a women's health nurse practitioner, a functional medicine practitioner, and so much more. She's worked in so many different areas of the wellness industry, and she has an extensive knowledge in the women's health space. And it's really interesting because given all these different areas that she's worked in, in health and wellness, she's found that often people are losing sight of the actual foundations of overall health and kind of getting bogged down in some of the minutia or, you know, if she's in her more Western medicine roles, like medications and acute solutions. So she was finding that there was just this missing piece of like people just understanding how to take care of themselves in general. So this led her to create her own wellness business where she educates and supports women by making healthy living simple and accessible. So we talk about all kinds of things here, obviously the foundations of health that we all need to know, some unexpected stressors in our lives that could be impacting our health, practical tips for tuning into our body. I feel like so often people are like, you know, eat intuitively, be in touch with how your body feels, like listen to what your body's telling you. And unfortunately, this is really hard for a lot of us because we have pretty much been taught our entire lives to follow the direction of something else and kind of ignore our body's natural cues. So We talk about that. We also talk about misconceptions about manifestation and the reality of taking a big leap to live a life you love. We talk about body image and how that varies in different cultures. We talk about why some foods, you know, really shouldn't be considered quote unquote bad. There is room for everything. And also we get into simplifying your morning routine. So this is a really great conversation that goes in a lot of directions and I think you will get a lot out of it. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. And I would love to just kick it off by you talking about what it is that you do and what brought you to doing what you do. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, So yeah, I am a women's health nurse practitioner who's kind of transitioned into working an online practice, um, working more as a holistic nutrition and health coach. Um, And it's been kind of a long roundabout journey getting there, but I, you know, practiced yoga, taught yoga for 20 years and worked do at a raw food restaurant and teaching meditation. And so after going through nurse practitioner school, this felt like a good way to kind of put everything together. Very interesting. So where I know that you travel a lot too, so I'm kind of interested to hear like where you kind of started off from where you went to school, where you got your certifications. If you kind of take us through, tell us the story, leave us the tale. (laughs) Yeah, you bet. Um, So I went to school in, I did my doctorate in women's health in, at University of Utah in Salt Lake City. And I actually spent a lot of years at University of Utah. I did my, my original degree was in global public health. And so I did some work with nonprofits and started traveling internationally that way and ended up doing mostly admin work and wanted to be a little bit more hands-on. 
and through those travels found that there was a lot of, there was a really big need for women's health. So I originally went back and just did, uh, went to nursing school. So I got my bachelor's and a second bachelor's degree in nursing, and it still wasn't quite as hands-on as I wanted it to be. I wanted to be just a little more independent, helping out a little bit more. So I went back to school and did a dual doctorate. So I, I did midwifery and women's health um, with the idea that I was going to go work for Doctors Without Borders and help in that way. And things changed a little bit like they do. And I ended up having my first child while I was um, in school. And at that point, realized that I did not actually want to do deliveries anymore. It was just really stressful and really like close to home when there was emergency situations and things like that. And so we ended up, um, I ended up working at just a straight gynecology practice in Bend, Oregon. And then that's where we had been for the last like six years. Um, and in that gynecology practice, you know, it ended up just being with, with midwifery, there was a little more of that like holistic background that I was able to bring into things. And that's kind of what I was hoping was I was going to find in practice. And it ended up just being a lot more, like a lot less health in healthcare than I ever wanted there to be. And so I was feeling kind of disenchanted by that, I guess. And with, um, and then an opportunity came up to work with a woman starting a functional medicine practice. So I went back to school again and got certified in functional medicine through Institute of Functional Medicine. And it, and I like that style of practice. It was a good way to integrate all of those different modalities to bring in some of the nutrition pieces and some of the mindfulness pieces and some of these different things. But, um, I, it wasn't a great fit for me, to be honest. I just felt like there was a lot of like over testing and over supplementation. And it felt like it was really only catering to like a very specific crowd that was able to, you know, spend 750 or not thousand, but $750 a month on supplements. And so it was feeling a little bit exclusive in that way. And I felt like we were missing out on the more foundational pieces. And so I originally had started, started building a course that was for my patients in practice. That was like all of the things that I didn't feel like we had time to talk about, but were so like, we would kind of touch on, but I felt like they just needed a little more support around nutrition and specific breathwork techniques and how to like actually look through their, you know, their kitchen and their skincare products and what things to choose. So I had kind of created this course, um, for patients and then now have found it to be, um, I started out running it as kind of like a group and now have it as a freestanding, um, option for people to kind of run through. And then I'm doing some like one-on-one -on -one coaching to support people through that as well. Got it. That's so interesting that you've been in like so many different pieces of the healthcare system and kind of have struggled to find the place where you're really, like you said, giving people that like foundational information that like supports their health as opposed to kind of whack-a-mole situations, like as things are popping up. And even when we think about functional medicine, which is the closest to holistic we're going to get, it's so true that it probably is like, like over- targeting specific things again, instead of like the pullout, like the method of understanding, like all the holistic stuff that just contributes to us living healthy overall. Totally. And like, I think that for me, there there's 100%, like there's a place for things. And when you have, when you have something specific going on, or you're struggling with like mold toxicity or thyroid or different things like that, I think it's so amazing to be able to have this like really targeted root cause approach that's been, especially when you've been just like brushed off probably for so many years from like conventional providers. But then in some ways, it's almost like, I feel like for a lot of people, it ends up being too much information. And, and then it gets into this like really obsessive thing where people are getting like disconnected from their intuition and they're not listening to their own body. 
and they're thinking like, oh, this is the one way to eat. This is the one way to exercise. This is, you know, and they're, and they're still like ignoring the feedback from their own body and relying on like trackers or testing or things like that. And I feel like there's probably just like more of a place in between. Absolutely agree. So when you said you created that course, that, um, kind of like foundational information, what are like those basic pillars that you think people need to understand how to take care of themselves? Yeah. Um, I mean, a big, a huge one is stress. I think that's probably like the most foundational piece. And it's really cool to see how many people these days are doing a lot of like somatic work and, um, really targeting the nervous system as like a cause for all of these different symptoms. Right. Cause they say that, you know, 90% of healthcare complaints go back to stress. And I think that stress is when you talk to people about stress, like when you talk to women about stress, they're like, Oh no, I'm not stressed, you know? And they, and because there's like this very narrow definition of it as like, you know, fighting with your coworker or being stressed about finances or things like, you know, that traditional, like emotional type of stress. And they don't actually realize how much like those little things every day, just like the having the to-do list that never ends and, you know, skipping meals or not eating the right combinations of food. So your blood sugar's all over the place. Like those are the things that your body's like interpreting as stressful. Right. Um, and I'm also a really big advocate for like creative practices because I feel like, um, most people kind of as adults, we just get away from those practices and don't see them as like, as essential to our kind of our wellness and our self, um, fulfillment. But I think that there's a lot of research showing that like people who have creative practices are actually happier and healthier and all of those things. So that's another piece of work. That's been really, really fun that I've been doing is teaching like mindful writing groups. And so we've been doing like, we're doing one right now tonight, actually. Um, but we meet, you know, a fall group, winter group, and then spring, and then kind of have the, the summer off just because everybody gets so busy, but it's a really fun way. One to have that like connection piece with other women and two, it's not, it's not so much about like, I think people get really intimidated by writing, which I don't know about you, but. I've always just like loved reading and writing. So, um, but it's a very intimidating thing for people, but so we have to kind of, you know, break through that, like, Hey, this isn't about being like the next great American author or anything. It's just about like getting really comfortable with your mind and how that process works. And so we weave some like meditation into it and some breath work. And it's a really, really fun, really fun class. So that's one of the big, big pieces. Yeah. And I think with the whole creativity thing, it's hard for us to see value in something that doesn't feel like productive. Like there's not like an end result that we're striving towards, but it's like with that creativity piece, it's like you're hitting a bunch of different things that are beneficial. So it's creative, obviously it's fun. I imagine it's also stress relieving in a sense, because it's like, you are, you know, kind of that stressful piece of your mind is turned off and you're focusing on something different. It's probably almost like a form of meditation in that kind of sense where it like pulls you out of your normal thoughts or it lets you dive deeper into them in a way that's really helpful. Yeah. Yes. That's so true. That's a really great point. That's one of the things that I really like, because I always kind of joke. So the, the writing practice, the style of writing practice that I kind of teach and work with is based on Natalie Goldberg's work. And she was a really, really interesting woman who is a writer, but also a Buddhist. And so she kind of was one of the first people that really bridged that, like, meditation piece with the writing piece. And so she always says she hates when people call like compare writing to therapy, but I do it all the time because I think it really is. I'm like, it's this really great, cheap therapy, you know, like it's getting really comfortable with your mind. And, but that is one of the things that she says is like, it's just the difference between the like mindfulness meditation pieces, instead of like watching the thoughts kind of come and go and not engaging with them, you are like diving a little bit deeper into them and just like following them. So it's still a little bit dis, um, 
like you're still stepping back a little bit, but you're just like following it through to the end to just like get more curious about what's going on and where your mind is going. So it's really fun. Interesting. So it's, it's kind of like journaling, but more of like storytelling journaling. Yeah. Like, so less journaling. So we'll do like prompts. So, um, we'll do prompts and then write on those prompts for like a specific amount of time. So maybe like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And it's really cool to see how different everybody takes it. Right. And then you see where some of these, like where we have some of these similarities and then where our stories go these different directions. And so we do like a reading and a listening practice as well. And so it's cool to get to, you kind of get to know people in this really intimate level without ever having these like formal introductions because, you know, you're like you, you comes out through your writing, you know? And so it's less of like a journaling, but more of the, the kind of some of the main rules are like, once you start, just like, don't let your pen or pencil stop. So you're just kind of like free flowing. And then it's like getting rid of that inner critic too. So when that, so it's like writing what you want to say, not what you're thinking you should. And I think that that inner critic piece is also just a really helpful thing for women to gather tools around working with. Cause I don't think it's something that ever goes away necessarily, but having, you know, as many tools as you can to be like, Oh, I think I heard Elizabeth Gilbert talk about that inner critic and like fear in the sense of like, okay, you can get in the car and you can like even maybe sit in the passenger seat, but like you don't get to make any like choices. You don't get to choose where we're going. You don't get to choose the music or do anything, you know? And I was like, oh, that's a really cool analogy. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's something for a lot of people like creativity, they have a hard time tapping into that without having that voice. So it's cool that it, it helps with that as well. Totally. Because I think like, I mean, the fun piece is a big part that's missing for a lot of people. And is that like, what are some of the other like stress, fun, creativity are big things that are foundational, which again, already things like, I think people know stress, but like those other things people would never think of when they're thinking of their health. So that's so interesting. So like what other things do you find foundationally that maybe most people wouldn't even think of being? So, I mean, movement is one that I think people definitely think of, right? Like that's one of those, I would say probably nutrition and movement. Like those are the big things that come up, but for most of the people that I end up, I mean, coming from living in Utah and Oregon, like the people, the women that I work with tend to be like active women, right? So it's not about getting people. It's not about saying like, Hey, you need to get up off of the couch. It's like, Hey, maybe you don't need to be running 120 miles a week. Like maybe give yourself a little more time to rest or listen to your body a little more. And like on days when you want to walk, like walking is just as valid as your CrossFit class, right. And getting people to kind of listen to their body a little more in that way. And I don't know if it's a challenge, right? Cause it's so, there's so many great mental health benefits of exercise. And when you are busy and working and all of these things, it can be such an important outlet. Um, but sometimes it's like, you already have this high stress load and then you're just like forcing through these really intense, like hit classes. And it's just like, there comes that other form of stress, right? And then people are like, oh, I don't know why I'm so tired all the time or why I'm not recovering well. And so it's like getting people to, again, come back to that intuitive piece a little bit more and just listening to feedback from their body, I think is another really important piece. And I think that's something that I talk to people about a lot too, but it's so hard for us to do that. I feel like it's, it's one of those like esoteric kind of things where it's like, okay, I get it. It sounds nice, but like, how do I actually do that? Because we're so unfortunately disconnected from our bodies because we're told to follow XYZ protocols or follow XYZ diet or workout plan and and kind of like ignore what's actually going on with us. So kind of like, what are your biggest tips for like people actually like doing that in a tangible way? Yeah, that's a really good, like having those tangible tools is really important because you're right. People are like, 
that's cute, but what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, one of the things that's really helpful is, um, I think to do a little body scan, um, a body scan traditionally is, you know, like a, a meditation where you're starting at your toes and you're kind of moving up through the body and like bringing your mind to each different place and kind of relaxing through that. And it doesn't have to be that full, like 20 minute restorative before bed kind of thing. But I think taking the time to incorporate that into your exercise can be helpful. So like after you go for a run, you know, while you're stretching or giving yourself like a little Shavasana at the end and just doing that little, like 60 second or two minute check-in to be like, how does that feel? How am I feeling right now? Am I feeling energized or am I feeling depleted? Um, because you're right. Like there's a fine line. I think one of the things is sometimes like we have to do hard things, right. And sometimes it's, it's about like showing up when you don't want to show up and like, you're not going to want to work out every single day, but, but there's a difference between like showing up and like forcing your body to the point where it's like not healthy. So I think, um, you know, having some of the conversation about like, are you feeling guilty if you're not working out or are you feeling like, no, this is, this is nourishing for my body and kind of separating those. And then also there's such a connected piece around like exercise has gotten so misconstrued as this like way to change our bodies versus this way to like support our bodies and like support our mental health and feel strong. And so I think, um, you know, having people check in with the, with their motivations can be helpful too. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say kind of the trick for me is thinking like, am I going to feel more stressed out because I did this? Or am I going to feel better? Like when you think about like 15 minutes later and the next day, like, are you going to be like, oh, I'm so happy I did that. Or am I going to be like, I'm, why did I force myself to do that kind of thing? Which even that can be hard because sometimes we don't even know how to check in with ourselves, but even just getting used to asking those questions as opposed to it just being like, like you said, whether it is a false motivation or just pushing through when our body is not wanting it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, I think I love that. I, I always do like when faced with a hard decision, I always have this little, um, question of like, does that feel heavy or does it feel light? You know, which is kind of that same type of thing. Like, am I going to feel energized or am I going to feel more stressed out afterwards? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I think that question too, again, cause I feel like that's something people say a lot and I'm like, how do you really explain that? But the body scan helps with that too. Like you can notice yeah. it. Like, does it feel like something in your chest or in your stomach or in your throat? Like those are usually like the telltale places where something doesn't feel great. Like something feels off in one of those places. Totally. I mean, yeah. Like teaching intuition is hard, yeah. right? It's really hard because especially for most of us, like we've grown up our whole entire life of like, really pushing through. And culturally, that's kind of a thing is like, you just like push everything down and you just like show up and you perform and you do all of these things. And so it is a challenge to like, not to, to still like want to work hard and still have goals and be working towards them, but also, you know, being gentle with yourself and recognizing that like, it's okay to take rest. Like I, I remember talking to one of my friends and we were having like this similar conversation to this about how, you know, she was like, yeah, that was, that felt really good to just like be given permission to go for a walk. Cause she's like, I really didn't want to go for a run today. And I was like, yeah, totally don't have to. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So do you find that more often the people you work with are on that side, they're on the pushing themselves too hard and they really need to take it down a notch, which most people never even consider being their problem. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. It's usually that too. (laughs) Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. It's definitely like high achieving women, right. That are tend to just have like high standards and want to do great work, but sometimes towards the to the point of completely burning themselves out. Yeah. And I think too, like, 
and you can speak to also like having a family and being a mom, like that's a whole nother layer. But when it comes to just feeling like we have to be like superwoman and have the career and have the family and have, you know, like it's just so many things. And lots of times it's like, we are kind of wearing stress as a badge of honor. Like it's, we're like out busying the next person. I mean, I live in New York city. That's definitely the culture here is like, who can like run the fastest kind of thing in every direction. And I think it's hard for people to take a step back from that. I know it was for me to be like, this is not serving me. Yeah. Or sustainable. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I, so I live in, I live in Sayulita in Mexico, which is just like a completely different culture than New York. Exactly. So I would love to hear about, cause I know you've you know, lived in some different locations like that, kind of like what brought you to making a decision like that? And what are the major differences that you're seeing living in those different kinds of cultures? Yeah. So, I mean, in Mexico, the thing, one of the things that I love about Mexico is that like fun is a serious priority, right? Like every, there's a celebration for everything. Everything's fun. Everything is like food is to be enjoyed. Like we don't, you don't talk about things in terms of like, oh, I'm so bad because I ate that. Or like, I feel guilty or eat this like guilt-free chocolate cake or things like that. Right. It's like, there's a very celebratory culture, which I love. Um, and there's also, um, just like a kind of a slower pace, which to be completely honest, like I have never, I still have not adopted that pace completely. Like some, Sometimes to go and just like sit on the beach all day, I'm like, no, like if I'm at the beach, I want to be like surfing or I want to be walking or doing something, you know? So I'm still like 100% a work in progress on this, like shifting out of the, like doing into a little more being, but it's fun for me too. You know, I'm not like not forcing myself to go surfing. It's like, that is really like filling my cup. Right. Um, and yeah, as far as, I mean, motivation to go there. So it was, you know, like a lot of people, it was a big shift with COVID. And at that point, like the clinic that I was working at closed and I had started this online work and I was just feeling a lot more, I was feeling so much more energy from working with people in this way and feeling like I was having a bigger impact on their day to day than like here's some birth control and your pap is normal, you know? Um, and, and just getting to connect with people in a, on a deeper level and feeling more impactful in that way. And my oldest daughter was supposed to start kindergarten, but they were going back. It was going to be all on iPads. And I was like, I really don't want her first experience with school to be like via screens, because I think that like I'm less concerned about the information that she's getting. And I'm more concerned that she is really excited about learning. And so my husband and I had always kind of wanted to take our kids and live somewhere internationally. And we had, the plan was kind of like maybe around middle school, we'll go to Spain or do something like that. And my husband is fluent in Spanish and my grandmother is from Mexico. So that ended up coming up as this piece of conversation where we were like, "Mm, that might be kind of fun. We started looking into it. And a lot of these pieces just sort of like, it was, it just felt really easy. You know, it was like the school that my daughter was supposed to go to here. You know, we talked to the principal and we were like, oh, we're not really sure if we're going to come. We're contemplating this move to Mexico. Um, And he was like, oh, you 100% should go. Like, and it turned out that he had been, the principal for five years at the school that we were going to down there. And so then he connected us with some friends of his and, you know, all of the things like just the pieces sort of fit. And so we were like, okay, we're going to go for one year and just like, see how it is, try it out. And, and then we'll kind of reevaluate. And so we reevaluated and it's, we're actually going, we're going back down tomorrow for the next school year. So it was, it was good. It was really good. 
That's so cool. And I feel like it's so interesting because most people wouldn't even take the first step into like exploring what that could look like to even see that there's like synchronicities that come after that. Like it just all started falling into place, but you have to be the one that's going to like start going down the new path and seeing what's going to happen. Really? Yeah. I think that's like, that's a really interesting thing, right? With all of the talk of manifestation these days and this like, I don't know, in my mind, it's like a misconception that you're just kind of, you know, getting it's 100% like in your mind and you're just bringing these things like magnetizing things to you, but it's really just like getting curious and still working really hard towards the things that you want to create. And then like looking for those opportunities, like, um, this is silly, but there's this like funny old, um, I think it's a Thomas Edison quote that says that like opportunity is missed by most people because it comes dressed as overalls and looks like hard work. And I still think that that's just a really valid thing today that gets overlooked. Like people think that like, if you're on the right path, it's supposed to be just like 100% easy because I mean, living in Mexico is not 100% easy, right? Like you can't drink the tap water. And so that was like, has been a huge, was a huge stress for me with like worrying that my kids, cause they're like sticking their toothbrushes under the faucet and, um, everything is like incredibly inconvenient. You know, you can't like look up the hours of something online. It's like, you have to walk across town and then there's like a cardboard sign Sharpie. That's like, sorry, we closed. We went surfing or something, you know, and you're like, okay. So there's <laughs> lots of those adjustments, you know, but it's, it's been a really good, like definitely like far outside of the comfort zone. So lots of like growth, but in really positive directions for sure. Totally. And I think even the way you were explaining and you were like, things just felt kind of easy is like someone else could have looked at that same situation and been like, it was really hard, but we still made it happen. Like everything is perspective. Like, yeah, there were a couple of, like I said, like synchronicities that made it feel like, oh, this is like, we're moving in the right direction. But there was obviously, I'm sure plenty of other obstacles in the midst of those two or three things. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, I mean, most recently when you and I were trying to connect, um, we had just gone to Costa Rica and part of the motivation behind, so we just spent the last month in Costa Rica and part of the motivation behind that was just, um, to kind of check it out and see, I, that was one of the other areas that we had contemplated before we moved. And it's such a beautiful country. And there was a couple of things where I was like, the water was an issue, like clean water where I was like, it is really stressful sometimes, especially with kids, um, schools and just a couple things that I was like, I need to kind of feel this. So we decided to go down there and it was really interesting because I don't, I didn't know this before. I don't know if you know this, but the sun rises and sets at pretty close to the same time every day in Costa Rica. So between like five 30 and six, it rises and sets all year long. And I, and in some ways that's like, I was really curious about visiting the Nicoya Peninsula because it is one of those blue zones where, you know, they have the highest concentrations of centurions, like people who have lived healthy into their hundreds. And I was like, Ooh, I'm really interested in this. Like that could be a really cool place to live. And that supposedly is one of the reasons behind it because, um, that it's really supportive of like your body's natural circadian rhythms and things, but it, I did not like it. And I'm an early riser. Like I wake up at like, usually my like eyes just like without an alarm clock between like four and four 30, like every morning without fail, I'm up. And I, and I like that. I, um, but even with that, the early sunset, it like felt like reverse winter for me because is so dark and so quiet. And we were just kind of stuck inside. And I was like, Oh, this actually would drive me crazy. So it was good to kind of go feel that. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like those things that we would never even think to understand when we open yeah. ourselves up to those experiences. And like you said, interesting too, with like the, the blue zones and all of that, like you mentioned in Mexico, like they like food, they just have such a different relationship with it. It's like celebratory and all of that. 
And obviously it's a more relaxed state. You know, people are closing yeah. the store early to go and serve. <laughs> Love that vibe. Um, so what other, like, are there kind of other like lessons almost that you feel like you've learned about health from leaving like where you grew up and where most of us live that are listening to this show? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, I feel like in general, there's a more body positive culture and, um, and don't get me wrong. Cause I mean, Mexico, obviously they have like very high rates of diabetes and a lot of like lifestyle diseases. Right. So it depends very much on where you're at, how health conscious things are, but in general, like the relationship with food and body and all of those things is a lot more positive. Like one of the things that I love the most, cause we, so we live in a beach town. There's a very, very big surf culture, but it feels so different than any surf town I've ever been in, like anywhere in California. Right. Because there's just like, there's just bodies, like nobody, it doesn't ever feel like anybody's looking at anyone else, whether you're like young or old or thin or heavier, you know, like everybody's just like having a good time and not even thinking twice about, you know, covering up their swimsuit. You know, it's like, you'll see 70 year old women just rocking bikinis and hanging out and, you know, having and laughing and having fun on the beach. And I really love that because there's certainly like, I mean, there's certainly things that I would like wear and feel perfectly comfortable down there that I'd be like, whoa, I would have never in a million years worn that in on a trip to California, you know? Yeah. Um, So that's been really great. I love that. I love that for my girls. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a really great point. And that's amazing. Is, is that something that when you've worked with clients too, has been a piece of, of the pie for them that maybe is influencing stress or just their actions in general? For sure. And I don't know about you and how, um, the, you know, the women that you end up working with, but I feel like everyone has some piece of that. Like there, there's this level of something that we've internalized about like how a body is supposed to look or, you know, these little behaviors of how we're supposed to eat or supposed to like, or not like about our bodies. It's really, it's really pervasive. And I worry a lot about it with, um, cause yeah, I have two little girls. So one is seven and a half and one is three and a half. And, you know, I'm already starting, like, I knew that at some point I feel like I have, I've thought about it a lot and I have tools to try and work through these kinds of things with my girls, but it's come up already, which I didn't expect. Like a little boy in my daughter's class in first grade, like called her fat as an, as like an insult, like trying to be mean. And I was like pretty blown away by it. Um, cause I just did not think that that conversation was going to come up quite so young, but it really made me like, wow, we really have to, like, this is such important work to be doing with women to really, because when we're working on our own, body image and relationship with food that has such a strong trickle down effect, whether it's like your own children or not, it's just creating a better culture where women are not feeling like they're not, you know, trying out for things. They're not using their voice. They're not, they're like holding themselves back because of these things related to like body or confidence or, you know, self-doubt. And I was like, yeah, we've got to like really shift this because the fact that like a seven-year-old boy is throwing that around as an insult is just disturbing. Totally agree. And yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have thought that either, that you would need to be thinking about it that soon, but unfortunately it, it, I mean, like you said, it's just pervasive. It's, it's everywhere from even like watching Disney movies. And I mean, it's, it's just so ingrained in, in our culture, it, that it's like insurmountable to move past it, but that's why taking personal responsibility within your own house and, and talking about it is so important. So I'd love to hear like what, how your approach has been with that, because I think that's, again, 
something that I'm sure mothers struggle with, especially when they're also struggling with their own body confidence issues, as many of us are. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a tricky one. And I don't know that I'm like the best authority on to speak on that or anything. Our approach is kind of just that like healthy looks different for everybody, you know? And so my conversation with her went something along the lines of like, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like, you know, do you eat vegetables and do you take care of your body? You go to sleep, you you're able to run with your friends. You're able to surf and do the fun things that you want to do. Like your body does all of those things for you. And like everybody comes, everybody comes in different shapes and sizes, just like everyone has different hair color and eye color and all the things. And so we just have to, you know, do what we can to make ourselves feel like nourished. Like it's important to like eat colorful fruits and vegetables and to, you know, but it's also important to like celebrate and go eat cake at your best friend's birthday party. And I don't want to, I mean, that's kind of a hard thing. Like in the functional medicine world for me specifically is I feel like there's, there's a lot of, um, I'm lost for the right word, but like criminalization almost of like sugar and things like that. Right. And like, I would, I'm not going to argue with someone that like sugar is a health food because it's obviously not, but I also just feel like it's so much more unhealthy to be so restrictive with things. And so I know that for me, like that approach is not for everyone. And a lot of times people are very much looking for like, I want a, like a label, like I like paleo or keto or vegan or something to like fit into that box cleanly. And again, I just feel like there's like a more middle ground where you can like, like, do I think you should be eating cake all day, every day? No. But do I think that you should be able to like go out and when you have some, like really enjoy it and not feel bad about it? Yes. Like 100%, you know? Absolutely. And I think where most people end up landing with stuff like that is they have the stress of demonizing certain foods, but they're not even necessarily like following those rules. So they're just like feeling extra guilty then when they're eating the things that are bad. Like it's just ends up creating a vicious cycle where it's like, all you want is the bad thing. It's like when the sign says like, don't touch that. All you want to do is touch it. And then- so overly guilty as opposed to just the built-in concept of like, yeah, there are things that are good and there are things that are bad, but there's a certain like amount of leeway for the bad stuff that's just built into life and like just being accepting of that. Totally. Like I really hate that concept of like having like cheat meals. Cause I'm like, what about we just like have try and eat like colorful whole foods the vast majority of the time. And then you know, life happens the rest. Like we don't have to worry about all of those other things. So, I mean, I'm a big advocate of like focusing on what you can add so that you things feel like healthy and balanced, because I think that there's so much focus on restriction. And I mean, a really interesting thing, like for me, when I talk to people in, in clinic, um, you know, and I'll say like, how do you feel like your, your diet is like, are you eating a well-balanced diet? And I, so, and I've had to completely change that language because so often people would be like, Oh, I'm not on a diet. And I'm like, no, like your diet, like what you eat, the food, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's such an interesting thing to see that people are just like, it's diet, you know? Yeah. The terminology, like that's, yeah. We're so like that diet culture thing is so pervasive that that is the first thought that people have as opposed to seeing it as like nutrition. Totally. So that's a huge piece. I mean, as far as pillars, like that's honestly, that's a really big piece of the course that I have is on nutrition. And a lot of it goes into, um, you know, hormone healthy nutrition, but also for everyone, right? Because it's like, working on, on blood sugar, which is also good for your hormones, which is also good for your heart, which is also good for your metabolism. 
and then bringing a lot of the concepts of like intuitive and mindful eating into that. So giving people permission of like what things they can completely ignore and what things maybe are worth paying attention to. Um, and then I also worked with, do you know, Sarah Britton at all? She has a blog called my new roots. Um, she's just really great. Like she has this really great holistic nutritionist and she worked with me a little bit to do some like videos and recipes and things as a piece of the course, just to break down, like, um, you know, how do you make nut milk? How do you make kale actually taste good? And so she did some little videos like that, that are really great. Awesome. And I would love, cause I'd love to kind of give people like some tangible things. And you would mention with the nutrition thing, kind of focusing more on adding stuff in, like, what would you say are kind of like your go-tos are like people can start adding them into meals and they know that they're like boosting their nutrition. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of seeds. Um, there's a lot around like seed cycling these days. And I think that in general, you know, people have kind of a hard time with compliance with seed cycling, like remembering which seeds and when, and if they have irregular cycles, they feel really confused by it. And so I'm kind of more of the opinion that like all seeds are good seeds and rotating through, you know, variety of your diet in general, I think makes a really big difference for like, they've done a lot of research around how it diversifies your gut microbiome and how beneficial that is. So, you know, I often will recommend that people try adding like one to two tablespoons of ground flaxseed a day. And it's really easy to incorporate into like, you know, sprinkle over yogurt or on a smoothie or things like that. And even kind of just keep jars in the fridge. Like I always keep a Mason jar of like ground flax, hemp seeds, chia seeds, and then kind of rotate through those, adding them into whatever I can. Um, so I love to have people do that. And then also to think about, um, sprouts are another really big one, like broccoli sprouts, which are so helpful for hormone metabolism, fun to grow on your counter and give you a really good, like, even for people who say that they don't love vegetables, it's like, great. That's so much easier then because all you have to eat is like this tiny handful and it's equivalent to eating like three pounds of broccoli, you know? Yeah. Um, that's great. Tip. Yeah. So I love that. And, and then just thinking about like, as far as thinking about what you can add, um, I always tell people like, if you have, you know, like if you have a sweet tooth, so say three o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, oh, I have to have a cookie, like instead of, and granted, like sometimes if you want a cookie, just eat a cookie and enjoy it. Right. But if you're like looking for more of a snack to hold you over, then think about like, okay, how can I balance this? Like I can add a little bit of Greek yogurt on the side and have some protein and I can add some blueberries to get some, like a colorful fruit. And then you have like, you know, a little bit of carbs from your cookie and you've kind of balanced things out a little bit. So instead of just having something that's going to like spike your blood sugar and then leave you cranky and more hungry come dinner, you have something that feels like a little more nourishing, but you also got to eat the cookie instead of like thinking about it all day long until you like raid your whole cupboard, right? Exactly. Trying to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I would love to get into, obviously we've talked a bit about, you know, stress, nutrition, all of that kind of stuff, like habits obviously play a big part in your life. So what yeah. would you say are your like non-negotiable habits that are like keeping you foundationally healthy and, and feeling your best? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I think having some kind of, I think morning routines have gotten like kind of overwhelming for people because they feel like they need to have this like elaborate two hour, you know, like they can no longer work full time because they have to <laughs> morning routine. <laughs> And so I think that it's important to kind of like figure out what the intention is, right? Because there's always things, especially like, you know, having work or kids or whatever, there's always things that come up where someone's going to be sick or you're going to have, have to be in an appointment early. So I try to think about like, what are the things that I need that are like the, the core that are going to make me feel good. And it's, and it's pretty simple. Like, so I always try to start with, a couple breaths and I don't do anything fancy in the morning. Like if I have time later, then I like to do more of a breath work practice, but 
most of the time I'll just say like, okay, as soon as my eyes open, I'm just like putting my hand on my belly and I'm breathing into my belly for five breaths because it seems like ridiculously easy, but which also means that I have no reason not to do it every morning. Right. Where if, even if I was like, oh, I'm going to do 10 minutes of breath work, then I can almost always come up with an excuse not to do that or why I don't have time for that. But when I'm like, I can just do five breaths, then I it's super easy and done. And then if I feel like I can continue from there, then I will. Um, and then I always have done, I was introduced to Julia Cameron's book, the artist way. And she, when I was like 20. And so that's been like one really consistent habit that I've had since then. So going on almost 20 years, <laughs> um, of doing just the morning pages. So I try to do three pages. Um, you're supposed to handwrite them. I don't always do that because sometimes like on, you know, sometimes if we're sleeping in the van or we're in a hotel or somewhere, you know, it's like, there's other people around. I can't turn on a light and grab a notebook and stuff. So I just like have a little notes app in my phone and I'll just, you know, set a, sometimes I'll just set a timer for like five minutes and just do that. Just the like first, first thoughts in the morning, which is really helpful. And, and then I usually have like some water or tea when I get up and that's about it. Those are kind of the non-negotiables. If I get to do anything else from there, then awesome. But if I can get those in before and like have just a moment of time to myself before everyone else is like needing me, then that sets me up for the day pretty well. Yeah. I think that's so helpful that just taking the five deep breaths because yeah, people are constantly the number one excuse is I don't have time for that, <laughs> but right. that's very, especially too, like, even while you're still laying down before anyone in your house even realizes you're awake, <laughs> like you can yeah. do that. And that's, that can be huge because we don't take the time to take deep breaths the whole rest of the day very often. Totally. And I mean, this kind of goes against like, I would say this piece of something that I tend to do goes against what everybody says to do. Cause everyone says like no screens in the morning, stay away from like, do all of these other things first. And I think, you know, some days I'll do that of like, if I know that I'm like needing to create a bunch of content or write research articles or blogs or things like that, then I'll just like, um, set side of time, set time aside. But I often will dive right into work, that type of work when I get up, especially like creative work, because, um, that's part of the, that's part of the nice part about being an early riser is having that like carved out time for myself where I can get a ton done. And then I can kind of play and feel more present the rest of the day because I've gotten like three hours of work done before anyone else is up. So it's not everybody's thing to like jump right into work, but it works well for me most of the time. And I think based on what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, like it, those are kind of things that like, they're your things, like they're driven by you. I think typically totally. what people are kind of thinking when they're thinking of that is it's like somebody else is hijacking your day, like right out of the gate. Cause you're checking right. email from your boss or you're looking to see how many likes you got, but rather for you, it's like a, a deep work focus time period, not totally. like you're letting everybody else just hijack your morning, like straight out of the gate, which is what most people are doing when they're looking at their phone. Totally. And yeah, I do think that that is important to try and like carve out space for yourself where you have that dedicated time before, like you said, everyone else is hijacking your attention and time. Exactly. Oh, well, I could chat with you forever, but <laughs> we're approaching time, but I'd love to ask everyone on the show, what is one toxic thing that you've released that's had a major impact on your life? I, I love that question. I think that's such a good question. And um, I would say, you know, the, the need to do things perfectly is probably the most toxic thing that I have consciously worked on for a long time. And I always like joke of being like a recovering perfectionist. Um, 
but I do think that the more I embrace that concept of that, there's not ever going to be a perfect time to get started and just like focusing on the small things that I can do. And instead of trying to like, instead of beating myself up or because I didn't do things, I didn't do enough or, um, I didn't do it perfect or there's not the right time instead, just doing what I can. Like, I feel like that's been such a game changer for me. Cause I used to always be like, you know, of that school of thought of like, oh, well, if you don't, ha- if it wasn't like an hour workout, it doesn't count or something. Whereas now I'm like all the time doing, you know, oh, I have 10 minutes. Cool. I'll do like a little Tabata circuit, or I'm going to go walk around the block or, you know, just all fitting in those little things and trying to like find opportunities and focus on what I, what I can do. And that's been huge. Absolutely. I think that's such a great tip because it's the overwhelm of perfection just is what keeps people stuck and from, you know, making, whether it is just like trying to be healthier or live a healthier life or, you know, change careers or whatever it may be. Like, I think all the things that you've talked about this whole time, clearly you've always been able to get yourself past it just enough (laughs) to try something new, (laughs) even when it feels scary, which is definitely not easy for a perfectionist. I know that's something I struggle with too, in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. Just that messy, imperfect action has been huge. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much. I would love for you to, you know, explain how people can work with you, how they can follow you, learn more about your program. And we'll link up to all of that in the show notes as well. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So my website is just, um, ashleygish.com and that's probably the best way to reach out. So I have like offers on there as far as coaching or courses, um, writing group. We're not open for writing group right now, but there's a wait list or if anyone is interested. Um, and then on Instagram, it's just Dr. Ashley Gish, um, NP. And so that's a fun way to connect too. I'm not on TikTok. (laughs) 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 I know I was like, too much, too much. Exactly. Again, don't be a perfectionist about it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, amazing. Thank you again so much for being here. This was such a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was so fun to chat with you. Well, I hope you guys got so much out of this. It was such a fun conversation. And now I'm going to recap the takeaways. So First of all, number one, often we lose track of the foundational pillars of health, like managing stress, having fun, enjoying creativity, and focusing on healthy nutrition and movement. Number two, stress is not just major emotional stressors, but the never-ending to-do list, improper nutrition, overly intense workouts, and many other things. And you know, 90% of healthcare complaints really are associated with stress. Three, creative writing can be a great mindfulness tool that reduces stress, feels enjoyable, and allows us to learn to turn off that inner critic in our minds. Four, when it comes to movement, many women are actually overdoing it, and sometimes our body just needs a walk or a rest day and not a run or an intense workout. And really, we've many of us have just lost sight of the fact that movement is not just about making our body look a certain way, but to support our overall physical and mental health. Five, it's important to learn how to tune into our bodies rather than just pushing through. A body scan can be a great way to connect to how we're actually feeling and seeing if decisions feel light or heavy in our bodies. And, you know, it is hard to teach this tuning into our body, but it is really important to start really trying to tap into ourselves and learning that balance of being gentle, but also being disciplined so that we can reach our goals and feel good. Six, one big conception, misconception about manifestation is that you just kind of think about it, what you want, and you're just going to attract it to yourself. But really, it's about taking action and not being discouraged by the fact that there's going to require hard work and effort along the way. Seven, in American culture, body image expectations are pervasive. And it doesn't have to be that way because it isn't that way everywhere. Health comes in all shapes and sizes, and the more we can do to embrace this concept, we can be a part of shifting those cultural norms. I mean, even if it's not in the broader spectrum, because obviously there's a lot to be done there, you know, just within our own homes and with our own families and the people in our lives is really meaningful. 
eight when it comes to nutrition, focus on what you can add in to boost nutrition and make meals more balanced rather than things that you need to avoid. You know, there really is room for all foods if we are conscious about it. Nine, you don't need a two-hour morning routine. Just make it so simple that there's no excuse not to do it. And 10, release the need to do things perfectly. It prevents you from getting started and small opportunities for progress end up adding up in the long run. So again, I hope you got so much out of this episode. And if you're enjoying the show, I would love if you would leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share with a friend that those are really the best ways to support the show. And I am just so grateful for you being here every other week. And I will see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.